Welcome to this very special podcast episode of Tea Time, a conversation with the women in my life where we spill the tea and our opinions on current events and hot topics. I really hope you enjoy this first episode of the new series, Tea Time. I'm Annalise Lucero, and this is The Good, The Bad, The Family. So welcome to Tea Time. I'm really excited to be joined by my sister, Debbie, and my sister, Becky. And we want to start out this first episode of Tea Time by sharing the tea we're drinking. So um, since that was your idea, Debbie, I would love for you to go first, because what better way to start Tea Time than sharing the tea? Some tea. So like actual Um, tea, the literal (laughs) for real tea. (laughs) So the the tea I'm drinking... (laughs) Yes. Not the tea you're spilling. So I actually, I mean, I'm, I like tea a lot, but I am still learning like about different flavors and whatnot. But anyways, the tea that I'm drinking is from Trader Joe's. It's a Moroccan mint green tea. It's really good. And I added honey and then some of my fresh mint from my garden in it. And it is like mint winter. Mm-hmm. You dude you know houston it's like what is it ever here you know it's you don't know not yeah. winter it's not summer it's not spring right now it's just something else yeah it's whatever it wants to be <laughs> i mean you, cool. experience, you experienced the kind of christmas that we did too right it was like mm-hmm. 91 on christmas horrible Texas uh, is like bermuda's triangle like anything can happen you just don't know yeah <laughs> It's it's like a high of 70 here and then a low of two degrees on Thursday. So, yep. All right, Becky, what kind of tea are you drinking? I am drinking the Twinnings line, but they have all of these super blends. So, like, I bought, like, the immune support one and, um, God, what was the other one? But anyway, this one's energy and Ugh. it's green tea, but it's, um, has apple and citrus mm. and it's supposed to give you energy. I mean, I think partly the green tea, which is like caffeinated, but I need something cause I worked out this morning Good. and, awesome. um, after that little, uh, measurement, uh, <laughs> and that BMI, I'm feeling a little down. So really I could have probably put some vodka in this, but then that's not healthy either. So I'm good. <laughs> That's a different. That's a different kind of tea. That's a different tea. Okay, apple and tea. Wow, I don't think I've ever well, had that before. A flavor, so I like it. But the immune support one is mango. Ooh, um, like a mango citrus. I oh, mango ginger. Ooh, oh, that yes, good. that sounds really good. Which in COVID times, you can always use some immune support. I don't know. Oh yeah, definitely. The whole times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Right. All the time. I am drinking. I am drinking from the St. James tea room in in New Mexico. I am drinking their wisteria white, which is like my favorite. That's one of my favorites too. Um, Cause you can have it hot. You can have it cold or like, I don't know, Debbie, if you're like Becky and I, but we start off with hot tea in the morning. And then by the end of the day, it ends up as iced tea. Cause yep. Yep. no time to drink it. That and coffee. (laughs) They yeah, just, yeah. they turn into yeah. ice. Thank God for iced coffee. Yeah. Right. No joke. Um, but this is a black tea and a green tea 
and it has like blueberry and rose petals. I don't know. It's just, it's a beautiful tea and it tastes really good. It is really pretty. The St. James tea, you, I remember you gave me a flavor one time from there, um, but I forget. It must've been Wisteria because it it was so good. I don't know. I have to go look down, but yeah, if that is the one, that was good. Does anybody have a fancy teacup they're drinking out of? No, no. Yeah. I got this from New Orleans. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yes, Ikea. It's not a teacup either. It's a, it's a coffee cup. <laughs> I've literally had this cup, I think, for like 10 years. I love that. It has a little yeah. saucer, you know? Oh. They've standed the test of time. Yeah. Nice. So I'm excited that we're doing tea time. I think it's really awesome to get like current news, current events, you know, pop culture, hot topics, buzz worthy cultural things that are happening and like have the perspective of women. Cause I do love the men in my family. I love the men in my life, my brother, my dad, my husband, my children who are all boys, but <laughs> there's a lot of men, girl. I have a lot of men in my life. There's nothing like the perspective of a woman or a female. Um, and so I've, I am excited. This is our first episode, so I'm just going to kind of let things flow. uh, And then we'll see where it goes from there. Let it take a life of its own. So thanks for being here with me, sisters. Yeah. Um, Where should we start? Like, what is what's what's on everyone's mind? Well, um, I think the this. this whole Neil Young um, protesting to pick him or um, Joe Rogan. I don't even know who Neil Young is, but I'm sure he's a very good singer with very good music. And that is now no longer on Spotify. (laughs) I don't know. I don't even know. I've never even listened to Joe Rogan. I know that people say that he's spreading misinformation, um, uh, which is unfortunate. Like, let's face facts, guys. In this time of a pandemic, like we do not need misinformation. No. But I do think it's interesting how people take a stand on it, you know? Yeah. I um I asked Nathan what he thought this morning because I was like reading the news and a mm. couple of other podcasters, which is like the new thing to do is make a podcast. Excuse me. I have been making a this is my third season. So I feel like I'm a veteran podcaster and this so I'm not <laughs> one of those people, but no, um yeah, this, is, this is not your first rodeo girl. This is not so Nathan's been listening to podcasts for a long time and he listened to um this couple sorry this I'm gonna tie this back into Joe Rogan but he listened to this couple um uh Dave Hollis and Jennifer Hollis they're like oh yeah yeah I I listened to a couple episodes because he recommend he had said yeah 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 he was like it was like when they were still married and um they had rise together podcast and he was like totally into their life and their story. And what was their thing about? It was about like having a good marriage or was it just about their was, life? Or? Yeah. It was, I think about their life and about like being in business and partnership and marriage and like doing things together and supporting each other in that. And this guy, Dave Hollis is like, he worked for Disney. He's a really smart guy. He was with Disney as like one of the top guys, getting star Wars into the franchise and stuff. Oh, wow. He's clearly like a smart guy. And and this goes into the Joe Rogan thing. Cause I asked Nathan, like, well, this, I was reading this story and I'm like, you know, what do you think of these podcasters? Like, like Joe Rogan, do you like Joe Rogan? And he's like, well, he says some interesting things. And I'm like, to me, Joe Rogan is like the epitome of masculine toxicity or toxic masculinity, whatever people call that. 
Like this man who gets on and he has all these opinions and all these ideas and he has this position of power and I feel like he exploits it. Just like this. What's his position of power? Because he has a popular podcast? Because he has a popular podcast. He has a position to influence people and to, um, you know, be a part of movements and change and cultural thinking. And he does it in a way where it's like, I just... I feel like without any kind of professional training or professional experience like this Dave, this Dave Hollis guy, you are a businessman. You have so much experience in leadership. You have so much experience in running a business. Like I wouldn't, I would love to listen to a business podcast, but he's talking about like life changing, like it's like a life coach, right? When you're right. a life coach, you're kind of like hmm, anybody can be a life coach, though. Anybody, yeah. can be a life coach. anybody can be a podcaster talking about making changes in your life. And right. I just feel like these people, like Joe Rogan and Dave Hollis, and all these people, they like exploit this position of being able to get this following, this almost cult following, without any kind of training and knowledge. And so they project all their stuff onto their listeners, and they're like processing their own life issues while being in this position to influence others because in the news article, this Dave Hollis guy is like going through all these life crises and a rumor he's in, um, what's it called? Uh, rehab. He went through his divorce all crazy. And it's like all this drama. And it's like, you're, <laughs> you're influencing people, but you're not like living to what you're saying. It yeah. feels so hypocritical and dangerous. I don't know. I'm just always very weary of podcasts or news shows or anything of that sort that are really like they don't have like a tech, like a professional background in like that sort of thing, whether it's therapy or, you know, relationships, marriage, you know, a, a family and marriage counselor or whatever, you know. And they're talking about like giving marriage advice or relationship advice or things like that. I mean, I'm always weary of it because I'm like, when you come from that stance, I mean, everybody knows that nothing's perfect. Everybody has problems, no matter who you are, you're going to face some type of challenge in your life. So it's like, it's always a slippery slope to me. Like you're putting yourself out there. Like you, you got it all figured out. People latch onto that. And then when it goes boiling down, it's like bad, bad. Okay. To play devil's advocate really quick. Cause I honestly do. I I mean, I agree with what you guys are saying, but I'm like, yeah, but maybe they do think they have it all figured out. Yeah. They do think they're an expert in the field and maybe because people are listening that even validates them further. So they're like, maybe like if I started a podcast, um, I don't know about, um, I don't know, uh, skiing. That's a great example. Cause that's what I do every weekend with my family. Although I do not ski, I just take them there, but I'm like, Hey, yeah, guys, like the best slopes are this and that <laughs> thing. I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, I chose something a little less like crazy than marriage because marriage is like a whole other ball of wax. But it's like, if people want to listen to me and follow what I say, I mean, I think I'm an expert. I mean, I go to the mountain. I mean, I don't ski it, but I look at it. I'm like, (laughs) you know, I mean, I don't know. I just think, but the problem is, no, not the problem. The thing is about this day and age with all of the outlets of social media and just podcasts and even still books, but audible makes things more accessible to like to read, to read quote unquote, you know, um, you can find like, if I'm looking for a reason to divorce my husband, let's use that example. 
you sure shit better believe that I can find somebody somewhere that's going to validate my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, and so that's kind of the problem, right? Like Mm -hmm. people aren't willing to admit their own fault. So maybe I'm a man and I don't even know what Joe Rogan talks about, but sounds like he's, you know, whatever I'm a man. I'm going to go listen to Joe Rogan and I'm going to go. Yeah, I know. I'm better than my wife. I know she's wrong. I know this. I know that I'm perfect. Clearly you nailed Joe Rogan. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of like you can, they can go to him. So of course they're going to feel better because they're not, they don't need to work on themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like not surprising. That well, and he has I, well, and I totally agree with you that like that confirmation bias is a huge problem and, and not just for men with Joe Rogan, but for women too. I mean, you get, you get a bunch of women together and they're complaining about their partners and yeah, they're going to be like, yeah, he is so horrible. And no, 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 no. Like you should leave him. He's a piece of trash. True. And that's why I think having the professional person, you listen to a professional marriage and family therapist, do a podcast on marriage. It's going to sound a lot different than Dave Hall is talking about rising together with his wife in business. Like they're going to be totally different perspectives, but the one that I think stands taller and has more meat to it is the one that comes from the professional. Who's not, not putting their own, like, personal projection into it. Right. Right. But I, I sometimes really like personal projection, like that book we read, um, about stopping drinking. Yeah. That's she put a lot of, what was that called? Um, quit like a woman, quit like a woman. Debbie, it's super interesting. I know I need to read this because you both have talked about it and it sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's it's cool. But she she inserts her personal journey of quit, quitting like a woman. If you it's actually it's it's actually a cute title for the book. Yeah. But um, it, her experience is very interesting, mm-hmm. you know, and so yeah. it, and it didn't. You know, not everything that she says in her experiences, I'm like, eh, that's probably not relevant to me in my life. But, you know, I think not that I'm better than anyone else, but I do think I'm able to kind of like, go, yeah, that's not relevant to me. Instead of being such a sheep, such a follower, I'm being like, oh, yes. You know, I don't know right. why people put anyone on a pedestal like that. And then so then um, and Debbie, you you are obviously know Renee Brown way more than me because yeah. of your, um, <laughs> my, well, and my, uh, fan girl crush, whatever and your you call that. Crush. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've listened, um, to one and a half of her books. I'm still halfway. <laughs> um, but she is incredible. I love listening to her books on audible because it's her voice, but I saw on Instagram that it was like a, a screenshot of her, um, tweet. Yeah that she's no longer going to do the podcast. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Does anyone know? I just, well, I know that it has to do with the Joe Rogan stuff and that there's a few other people, uh, some names, some people I had no clue who they were, unfortunately, but it's related to Spotify. They aren't, they don't want to release their stuff on Spotify. They want Spotify to take a bigger stance on basically canceling these people like cancel culture, you know, Mm -hmm. and we've talked about this like a little bit, we've touched on it. And I just, I am not a fan of cancel culture personally, because I think it always backfires. Like 
I agree that misinformation is really dangerous, especially right now in the the times that we're living in. But like also it backfires in a sense when you just cancel people, because then it becomes a you're you're choosing what we there's no freedom anymore. You are choosing what we get to listen to, what information we have and it. It comes across as a little sketchy, like why like you not everybody is smart. I mean, I hate to say it like that. You know, not everybody has the ability to really think through things and kind of process different information, get different sides of opinions, but you shouldn't prey on those type of people, but right. yeah, but it's like, you still have to let people decide for themselves. Like if you try to control people, it always backfires. Mm-hmm. Well, and I well, think I just feel sad about Brene Brown because it's like, you take away your podcast. Yeah. I mean, she has all her books and she has, she has other ways of getting her information out there, but she's super inspirational. Um, while also being like a hard ass, not saying like you're perfect. Like you need to work on yourself, you know, yeah. really good about that. She says it way more elegantly than me. <laughs> but, um, hence why I'm not in that profession, but I will say, you know, that kind of hurts people too. You know, you're taking your good information away because there's bad information. Like, so now there's bad information and obviously that's super drastic. There's not only bad information Mm -hmm. on Spotify, but you know, I don't know. I don't just don't know if that's the right way. And I agree. He can't be canceled because he's a dummy. I mean, just, you know, people have got to figure this out, get some, you know, I mean, it's just like if I had a podcast and I was talking about something and it's like, no, we don't like what she's saying. Cancel her that you're right. That's not right. What did you know, Joe Rogan say that I'm going to look this up because I don't yeah, know. Um, I don't know. I'm, I do know it had something to do with race, um, racial oh, issues, totally. which I, I totally understand taking a stance against that. I agree, Becky. I don't know like what the right route is. I just don't know if that's the right route. And, you know, I will say I speaking of routes that people can take. I saw something on TikTok. <laughs> um, <laughs> great news out. No, I'm kidding. But there's a girl, there's an account that I um, started following because I, at first I was like, whoa, like she's really going in on these people. Basically her content, her page is all about people are sending her videos or she goes and looks at videos of like, you know, misogynistic men, basically like people like Joe Rogan. And she just goes in on them and basically is like, kind of taking point by point why they're like wrong or why they're incorrect or kind of, you know, and it's definitely from a like female standpoint. Cause it's funny or is it like too serious? Like it's awkward. I think it's really funny. I mean, she's, she's, she laughs a lot and she kind of has this attitude of like, yeah, like F you, you know what I mean? Like you, mm-hmm. you're talking, you're talking down about women or about certain uh, you know, genders, things like that. And, um, I, I have to, I'll send you guys some of her stuff. Cause I I'm doing a horrible job of explaining it, but it's like, she's, she's facing it directly. She's not canceling them. She's facing it directly and saying, yeah. And then she's getting a lot of followers. People are following her. So it's like, I think instead of canceling information, why don't we just, I don't know, maybe we put, we tackle it head on, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. I think especially if people are willing to have the conversation and be like, I was a guest on a podcast um, 
called, it was uh, called Kings only or something like that. And, uh, or the company's called Kings only. And I chose to be a guest on that podcast for exactly that reason, Debbie, I did not particularly agree. Actually, I didn't agree with a lot of the content that he puts on and he even like quoted Joe Rogan and stuff in the, and if you're listening, I'm so glad you're listening because we've stayed kind of in touch with each other. But I, I like went on to be that voice of something different to yes. not get stuck in that loop of that confirmation bias. Like your listeners only hear your point of view and guess that you have with your point of view. And I wasn't going to deny the invitation because I don't agree with him. I'm like, no, at least then they get another point of view and they can make an informed decision. Yeah. But I, I think that like, I, I watched that girl on TikTok that you're talking about. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. I was going to look, I was going to look her up. She's very interesting. She has that laugh. Right, like, I mean, she's totally obnoxious, but like, I kind of like the way she's tackling this issue. I feel like it's like extra confrontational, right? Yeah. These people who call, there's other people on TikTok who like investigate these people and they find their businesses and they email their supervisors and say like, did you know that? Oh, that's really intense. This? Like it takes it so far. <laughs> And I don't think she does that, but that's intense. No. I just think that that's the culture we live in is this, like you're really held accountable and held to this higher standard if you're in the public eye. And I think that's why, and I looked up this Joe Rogan thing. So Joe Rogan on his podcast told one of his guests, like, you don't have to worry about what you say on Spotify because we won't get in trouble for it. And it was about misinformation um, with COVID, I think. And oh, so, I thought it was about. Uh, well, yeah. and maybe maybe I didn't really read the whole thing all the way through, but basically, it's they're not canceling Joe Rogan; they're canceling Spotify. Mm. Um, because then that other person, the Neil. So is there stuff still yeah. on other platforms? I I get I guess I don't know because but. if that's the case then I'm like okay cool like because people do that I mean like I know Beyonce for a really long time didn't have her music was on like Apple and that stuff but it was not on Spotify um, because they were well, that was for a different reason but um, if her if they're this group of people that's taking a stand if their stuff is available on other uh, outlets I mean I understand that then like that makes sense to me you know. I just not I, releasing anything. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like there's so much pressure to respond and have an opinion and make your mark. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, I you ever feel you, like that age old, like advice, like from your grandma or something that's like, you just ignore them. It like, doesn't, it doesn't it's not so effective or not. I don't think that works anymore because people are like, you have to have an opinion about this. You but have to make really a don't. Oh my God. I am so like, first of all, I'm not like ever knowing what's going on. So that's part of the problem. I'm like three steps late. Everybody's already over that issue. Let's, like, just, point, <laughs> let's just point out that Becky did not know Kim Kardashian and Kanye no. West were divorced until like no. two weeks no. ago. New Year's. New Year's. <laughs> we're watching the stupid New Year's show. And um, well, it wasn't stupid. Actually, Miley Cyrus was adorable. The other guy. Oh my, oh my God. He's such a creep. Pete Davidson. Yes. Oh my gosh. He is so creepy. I look at him and I just think, creep alert like hide your children you know but anyway um we're we're like watching it Annalise and I in the hotel room in Dallas and, uh-huh. and, and I'm like oh my gosh this guy's so creepy and she goes like yeah can you believe Kim Kardashian's dating him I'm like oh she's married she would never do that <laughs> like like as if I know her you know and so anyway then that's then I found out they're divorced I guess 
Okay. Speaking of New Year's, and this is taking like a left turn from the podcasters Spotify topic. That's okay. <laughs> but on New Year's, we kind of were flipping back between the Miley Cyrus show and then the We uh, were too. The CNN show with um Anderson Cooper Dick, and Dick oh my Clark. god, which of course they're always so cute. Oh wait, oh. not the not the Dick Clark one. No, not no, no, no. Um Anderson Cooper and uh, oh. what's his name? Um, Andy Cohen, Andy Cohen. I love we couldn't him. get the Ryan Seacrest one because the hotel we were at didn't, their cable company didn't get the deal with ABC or whatever. Yeah. Or something. And it, it was like a, it was like a, yeah. Anyway, like, you weren't, you, you weren't, you weren't you missing want, much. Yeah. If you want this channel, then you should contact your cable Local provider or whatever. Yeah. Senator and write a letter. <laughs> like, oh I don't want it that bad. <laughs> no, not that bad. But, uh, so we were watching Andy Cohen. Um, I loved Andy Cohen from like the beginning of watch what happens live. And like, yeah. I feel like I've been a part of watching, I mean, as a young adult growing up on real housewives and Bravo TV. And I really liked the the drama and it was just fascinating to see people portrayed in this way. And watching him on new year's, like be completely and totally intoxicated and like not oh, even weird. and not it's like, that's part of the culture of the shows is like all this alcohol consumption. But I feel like I'm just kind of like, Okay, I think it's time to be done. Like, not him what as a person. One gal, she was way worse. Who was that? She was so oh. drunk, she was slurring. One of their guests. Oh my god, who was it? Oh, I was like, oh, okay, you guys. Watching. Let um, me tell you now. You know, I enjoy a cocktail from time to time, maybe four, but <laughs> I certainly wouldn't do that on national television. Like, just this, know that this is what I'm talking about though, is like exploiting your position. So there's been a lot of talk in that book. Um, quite like a woman talks about like the normalizing of alcohol consumption. Yeah. And I feel like, like, I don't know if he still does it, but for many years in January, he would do like the dry January. Right. And he would, do, he wouldn't drink on his TV show. He wouldn't drink anywhere. Yeah. I was going to say like, that's surprising to hear. Cause I always felt like he had some boundaries around that. I just feel like lately watching, watching the shows, watching the content that they produce, watching the people that they have on the shows, I feel like it's losing its integrity, which already, like it was that fine line of, okay, these real housewives of Beverly Hills, real housewives of New York. Like it had a fine line of like, but it's fun to watch the real housewives, no matter what city they're in, get drunk at a dinner party, which is way more socially acceptable, I think. Um, and, and, and get wild. Okay. Like, cool. But way better to watch them than sober watching themselves drunk fighting <laughs> like it's way better to watch it sober you know what I mean so when they're uh, it's just not as good well and I think too like the the content of the shows and the content of his show uh, watch what happens like like it's become something different like it's more about bullying and antagonizing and making fun of and getting it like stirring the, the pot it's stirring the pot, but it's attacking people's character, not like the things that they've done. Right. Like, I feel like the shows have gone so beyond now where we're, they're normalizing people attacking other people's character, like as a person. Yeah. So, yeah. Like you didn't just do a bad thing. You're a bad human being. <laughs> That's so sad. It is. And now they're like, you know, they're a big part of that cancel culture too. Like they just had, I don't know what her name was, but she was a housewife on one of the shows and I think in the past she had made some comments on the Black Lives Matter movement that were 
distasteful and, and not, not really appropriate. Um, and she's been like kicked off the show. And oh, so I, gee, I wonder who it was. Uh, I, I just like kind of skimmed the thing. It's not, I, a, it's not a franchise house, uh, city that I watch. You know, I really like the real housewives, but I will agree. It's especially like those live shows. Mm-hmm. It's weird because I don't watch them, but then it gets referenced a lot, like on reunions or things like right. that. Like, and things then, okay. yeah. And then, so I'll go and kind of look, I'm like, I don't even know what the heck they're talking about. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how does all that happen? And then you guys go two months later and like film parties together it's like weird to me. It is weird because there's some like the, I feel like the group of Beverly Hills is a lot more real. Like they're, they've known each other a lot longer. Their families have known each other. Like Kyle Richards, she's probably my favorite housewife other than Bethany Frankel, who's not on anymore, but um, in New York, I love the original New York crew. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that felt different because they felt like more connected and more real friendships that were just kind of watching as they, have interactions with each other. But I do think that like, you can tell in some of the cities, well, I'll just say this. I'm not like canceling Ramona, but I feel like Ramona in New York is Ramona and Sonia are our friends, but their relationship is so unhealthy and so toxic. And I feel like it's kind of held at this like level of, Oh, these are what longtime friendships look like. And like, they're, they're horrible. It's horrible. They're horrible. And it's like, why are we, why are we, creating this like world where that's normal. Well, I had to stop watching it for that reason. Cause it just, it was too, it was fun. Like you said, Lisa, to kind of watch them. Your friendships have up and ups and downs, you yeah. know, like I have, I have a couple of best friends that have been, we've been friends for a long time and, and we have, you know, good days and bad days kind of a thing, yeah. you know, that's natural. That's life. I mean, all the things we've had a really hard time right now with kids and pandemics and, you know, things like that. But it it is more like when you watch this toxic situation become like the new girls, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say girls, though, new women that come on. It's like Mm -hmm. their goal to be like them. You're like, no, no, be be yourself. And and then and then, you know, when they go on those reunions and essentially everyone calls them like the most horrible person of all time. I'm like, they're not a horrible person. Like they're just they had a bad moment. Yeah. You know? And not really. And I feel like the show, and this is why I've like brought up Andy Cohen. I feel like as the host of the shows that are the reunion shows and the host, like a producer on these shows, I feel like we get so caught up in let's support black lives matter. Let's support LGBTQ community. And then in these shows, we miss the opportunity to support mental health. Um, I'm, I'm not going to make it my like thing to diagnose people I've never been in contact with or like had treatment with, but I would wager to say that many of these women on these shows have major mental health issues and addiction issues. And then the shows just like brush right over it. I'm sorry, but watching the highs and lows of Ramona Singer, knowing, (laughs) knowing the history that she has with her abusive family, I'm like, are we just going to not talk about how she might have borderline personality disorder? I think the other problem too, is that they aren't their full selves on these shows. So much stuff's cut out. And like, they're also, that's true. That's very, especially the more seasoned gals, they are playing to the camera big time. Yeah. Um, and so, but that's what they, I agree. You couldn't even really know what's wrong with them because right. or if anything's wrong with them, but, or if maybe they're into it for the acting and, and maybe that's their, their little 
you know, thing. They're like, well, whatever. I'm making a ton of money on this show. True. I don't really care if people know who I am really in real life because my family and friends know who I am and that's all. And I you're care. making a crap ton of money. Yeah. yeah, that's very true. You know, you do bring up a something that I ha- that has been hot on my mind though, Lisa, about like reality TV and kind of addressing mental health, you uh-huh. know? And so this most recent, this happened, I, I know you guys don't really watch The Bachelor or Bachelorette. Oh, I, I watched one season and I was Yeah, it's, I, I have to say I'm guilty. Um, I've watched it. Lots um, of people watch. I give yeah. it a try. I tried it out. You know, it's like, I do love the real hot. I, I do. I'm guilty of it. Um, uh, <laughs> nothing to say about it, but I, this most or recent. everything ep- to say about it. <laughs> yeah, tell <laughs> us more. <laughs> so the most recent episode. Um, okay. So uh, fa- uh, rewind to the girl who actually did um katie um who did the season in new mexico oh yeah yeah i you guys might have known a little bit more about that season than any of the other ones well on one of the episodes she did uh this like sit down as one of the group dates and she did like a sit down in a circle like it was like group therapy basically and you know i was like when you're watching it you're like this is kind of cool you know they were addressing um you know, some important stuff. She talked about her experience of being sexually assaulted and, um, you know, and then the episode kind of gave some information after. Okay. I was like, all right. I mean, that was a first for them. I, I mean, you think then, that they made her do that because to exploit that about her, that makes me sad. Well, she seemed very voluntary about it, but I don't know. Okay, good. Well, hopefully yeah. she was because I think it's fine if you're willing to offer up that info, but if people were using it for like, oh, you're like, she she, she was she was talking about it she was it i do think it was her voluntarily being like i'm gonna share my story for good that's how it came across and i was like all right okay that was it was uh it was a strange setting for that particular thing because it's a dating show <laughs> okay so the next season they didn't do it like they didn't do that thing, whatever that was. But then this current season of The Bachelor, so the guy with all the girls, they they this last week they did a group date and it was the exact same thing. Oh my god, mind you, all, it's been so hard my whole life. I've been good looking and hard. Actually, it was the opposite. He shared how he wants to be looking. He's like, I was ugly. I mean, you know. Now I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, it just it felt a little awkward. more awkward this time. And you know, I will say the thing that I have the most issue with is that the person that's like leading the peer group is like an old like bachelor bachelorette contestant. Yeah. And so you have this person who I don't know. I would I would think it's fair to say that they probably have no experience leading those types of discussions. And yeah. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm curious to get your guys' perspective. Like, is that an appropriate setting to address issues? Like, because they were talking about serious issues, you know, things that are very personal and could really be quite triggering for people. No, I totally agree with you, Debbie. I understand like this, this idea that we're watching these things happen and we're thinking like, oh, this is, this is good. Our first instinct is, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's bring up mental health. Let's address these issues. And then you start to finally realize, and this is the thing that my peers and I, like my friends that I work with have talked about many, many times. Therapists, counselors, licensed social workers, we are not 
people you just come and talk to and like get advice from. We don't give advice. We don't do that. We have serious training and experience and lots of hours of supervised clinical treatment. We follow evidence-based practices, models of therapy. I mean, it's serious stuff what we do in our sessions and to watch people just casually and nonchalantly facilitate a group where you're bringing up these heavy things. It's like, what right do you have to do that? And I think people minimize the the education and experience that's required for a licensed therapist or counselor or social worker to, to do these things. It's a, it's a, a skill. It's, um, so like, it's like, like, be like, you wouldn't go to, you wouldn't go to somebody who is like trained in first aid and ask them to sew up a, a gaping wound with a needle right. thread. Right. That's what, I, like, that's what it feels like to me. Right. I'm, right. I'm curious too, like in, in the context of this episode and the scene, the little tad that the, whatever you call it, the segment, you know, it was, To my understanding, it was voluntary, like you could share if you wanted to share or if you were, I mean, I would think if you're on a group date on a TV show, you would be expected to share at least something. And I'm kind of like, did they get these people's permission? Was this a complete surprise to be on this date? Because I can tell you right now, I would not want to be on that date if I was on that show. I'd be like, oops. I'll skip the dates. Was like a topic of something to share, like something that made you feel vulnerable? Was it like a question or? It seemed just so open ended. It's you know, I do know that they cut things. You know, the show cuts mm-hmm. what they want to cut, but it, it did feel open ended. I think with the focus of so the first uh, that one season where they first did it, it was obviously more about sexual assault awareness. This episode, it felt like the issue surrounded the topic of like. Um, women being held to like stand, like beauty standards or like, you know, body image issues. That's sort of more, I think, what was going on. And I, I can't remember if some other stuff got brought up, maybe like uh, body issues as well mm-hmm. as like eating disorders. I, oh my gosh. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. If you were there on the date, oh my God, what would you have said? <laughs> Man, I don't even know. I mean, that just, I would not want to be like, that's like people who are competing for a man. I mean, it's just the dynamic is fucked up. I'm like insanely, (laughs) insanely um, private. So like, if I had something like that, I feel like after, and I'll feel so awkward in situations like that. I feel like every time somebody said something like, oh yeah, and I was, you know, called fat when I was young and now I have a complex about it. I'd be like, oh. Man, I'm so sorry. And then the next thing, oh man, I'm so sorry. And then they'd get to me and I'd go, oh no, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, Everything, I passed. Good in my life. Nothing as bad as this stuff. Well, you know, in the show, well, in sorry, in the show, people who do that, who share minimally share, they're criticized. Like you didn't want to be vulnerable. You didn't want to get down and you didn't want to do it. Like that that didn't happen on this episode, but it did happen with the guys. The guy one guy kind of shared something a little more surface level from the way they cut it. Who even knows, right? right? And they all went on him. They were like, that's just so sketchy. Like he wasn't even like sharing something personal. And it's okay, like but that what? happened that happened on the one and only season of this show that I watched, Bachelorette, the one with Katie. I only yeah. watched it because she was in New Mexico at the time I uh um and wanting to watch that because she was in New Mexico. Yeah, it's yeah. not worth it. Don't but but, but plug for the time I uh the time I uh, is great. And if you want to sponsor this podcast, thank you. No, just 
actually, if you just want to sponsor me going there, I will um, go anytime. In horseback riding, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, the Tomaya is great, but this this show was not. And I feel like this happened where I'm like in real time watching this episode where the Bachelorette is Katie is talking to one of the guys. It's like one of her number one picks, the one that left the show. Yeah, yeah. And I can't remember his name, but I'm I'm like watching this in real time, and I'm thinking you are being so shady lady. Like you are, you are being, you are dodging every question. You are avoiding telling the truth. You are moving around. You are making this, you are gaslighting this guy. And then the spin of the whole response from society and viewers was that he was gaslighting her. He's saying, I love you. I want to be with you, but I just, I feel like you're not committed to me. And then she's like, you're the one that's not committed because you're, you're saying that you want to leave because you know, you know what you got into when you came on the show. Basically it was like, he's saying, I love you. I've never loved anybody like this. And I want to be with you. And you're not telling, you're not telling me that back. Yeah. When she's like, well, these shows are so freaking dysfunctional. Oh my God. Well, and I hated that the response from society was like, oh, he's, he's toxic masculinity. He's gaslighting her. I'm like, okay, did you not just see what I saw? Like, how is it that we can see things through these different lenses? I'm looking at this guy be so vulnerable on, on TV. Like he committed to the show and he had to leave because it was just so toxic and difficult to deal with a woman you love committing herself to other men as well. Like, that's crazy to me. I've never understood the show. I've thought it was so, so bad. And it makes me so sad for women, speaking of them having to come out and say, you know, always being compared to each other and having these eating disorders and, you know, body dysmorphia, all this stuff. Yeah. No, girlfriend, do not put yourself in these situations. You don't need to compete some man's love. Like, I'm like, you know, I think it's one thing to put your best foot forward. Sure. You know, like be your best self. But if I had to stand next to 25 other women and date my husband that I've been married to for 15 years, 15 years ago, God help us all. Horrible. Oh no. I mean, that that's so. When you put it in that context, it gives me so much anxiety. (laughs) I met my husband and then we dated, you know, we didn't, we weren't like boyfriend and girlfriend right away. Like we dated whatever, you know, but I mean, what the heck? That's what if he was dating 20 other girls? Well, and no. just how do you get, how do you get past it? I'm going to be terrible. Of yeah. course I'm going to be competitive. Of course, you know, I grew up as an athlete. Of course I'm going to get like, absolutely. Wild. Yeah. Then, then I'm not even myself. I don't even think some of these people can be their true selves. I bet you there's a lot of them that are really great humans. Yeah. I they agree. can't be that because that wouldn't win. Well, and they're put in these scenarios that I just don't feel like people will ever get into. Like on that, that season, they had like guys competing in these firefighter outfits, doing all these like physical, crazy things. And I'm like, first of all, like a lot of men don't do that. And that's, I mean, I would not a worthy man to get a firefighter outfit on my husband and have him run around the property. Why not? <laughs> I'll cheer for it. Yeah. But you know, you're talking about it's not it's not good. You know, I thought that they were kind of I will say I have a harder time watching the bachelor the bachelor than the bachelorette for some reason. I know that might be by I don't know. Wait, wait, you have a harder that. time watching which one? I have a harder time watching like all the women compete for the man versus yes. all the men Ooh. competing for the women. I don't oh, know why. Men I mean, are more graceful about it, I think. 
I will say I am just always so curious. Like I like watching it because I'm almost just interested in the the dynamics that happen and kind of like then I'm even more curious when people actually stay together after the show. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I want to know how you get past this always being like viewable, like watching. I don't know. It just is fascinating. Children can watch it later. Yeah, dude, like, how do you, and, you know, I've seen a lot of people actually get together, like, they have these, you know, uh, extra little, like, shows, like, Bachelor in Paradise, you know, where all the, like, losers basically go to an island and meet each other, you know, they'll seem seem a little bit more, um, because they're not really dating, like, each other, like, a lot, some of them do crisscross, but. They're not even dating, they're on an island, and they're just having a bunch of foreplay alcohol, <laughs> alcohol yeah. and foreplay that's what well, they you know, look super hot i'm like they are oh man, this is a this is an interesting show i'm like i cannot watch a whole bunch of hot people like sit in hot tubs all day i got a job i got four kids i can't do it it actually it upsets me because i'm like that's literally their job i don't they know did. where i went wrong but I, I took a weird turn and I'm actually working at a desk. So I don't know <laughs> what is going on. That gal's in a hot tub in a string bikini all day and she looks really good because her only job is to work out. Yeah. yeah. God, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I'm not jealous or anything. Not at <laughs> not all. At all. <laughs> I do. I do. Honestly, I do feel bad for, for some of them. Those shows. Oh my gosh. Okay. But on a real tip, when I, you know, have been going through Instagram, um, I, I prefer Instagram of all the social media outlets. I just same, same. I find it the most fun. I find it the easiest to search on. Yeah. But I have not been finding a lot of fun new content. I even feel like a lot of like, I like to particularly follow like fashion bloggers, um, mm. get good ideas for like dressing. And, and I also like, there's a lot of really fun bloggers that do like gifts you know that's one of my favorite things to like stop and buy things there has been no like new content as of this month I will tell you nothing new nothing I haven't seen already not like not a lot of new styles I've just been really like kind of your algorithm off no I'm kidding (laughs) yeah no I know my algorithm keeps on showing me like new scrub varieties for the office I'm like oh we're good I know I I don't know you know I do notice like when I'm searching certain things, then my, my little feed really changes. And then I'm like, dang, I wish I wouldn't have searched that. Cause then your feed is like transformed into, you know, uh, inspirational quotes for like three weeks, which, you know, sometimes you don't need a quote. (laughs) No, I agree. I feel like on my, like I have two Instagrams, a personal and a professional, And on my professional, it's like all mental health therapists or life coaches. And it's all these quotes. I'm like, I get that I'm trying to be one of those people, but I don't need one of those people. (laughs) It's just nonstop flooding me with all this. Like, if you feel this way, it might be because in your childhood, you did this. I'm like, no, but you just gave me a good idea. Cause I'm like, I should definitely get the, the dental office one going so I can start separating my stuff out. Yeah, absolutely. I, oh, yeah. I, I like having them separate. And I like that the content on my personal one is very different. More like the, you know, uh, people with the fun house photos and like life hack things for organizing and stuff like that. And then my professional one is just all mental health professionals and yeah. family and parenting and stuff like that. 
Yeah. It can get overwhelming sometimes. And I feel like I try on my, I don't post anything that I don't feel like is my voice. I really try to not say or like write things that I feel like I wouldn't say to a client because this whole movement of diagnosing people or diagnosing your partner or um, really like psychoanalyzing yourself without the relationship of a professional person, I, I feel like it's so dangerous. This is why I got off the TikTok therapy thing because I'm like, no, like I can't be putting this stuff out there and risking that someone's going to really buy into it and then not go see a therapist. Yeah. So I try on mine to ask like when people go like, my husband's bipolar or something. Yes. Yes. Like very nonchalant. Okay. But that's how I feel like, I feel like everybody says things like that. The the new buzz. Well, and the new buzz diagnosis is narcissist. That's like all these people, all these women on TikTok will diagnose their partner or their ex-partner as a narcissist. And I'm just like, first of all, like nobody has the business of diagnosing anybody unless they're in clinical treatment with them. So like I said, Ramona Singer might be borderline. That's probably not true. And I'm glad Becky pointed that out. Like we only see what we see that's edited. So I just, I feel like, um, diagnosing in general is dangerous, but when you're not professional and you're not in a professional relationship with someone, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. I would never like say, Oh, you know, Debbie, your husband is da 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 da. Like, I'm just not professional enough for that. I'm like, no, my husband is being a, you know what? Yeah. Not a narcissist. <laughs> well, and I think, you no. know, I, I always yeah. laugh too, because working in a psychiatric hospital, like you really see true mental illness, true diagnosis. Yes. And so when I see these people who are like, oh, that person is like crazy. I'm like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think that's just their personality. I think they're just totally going something. <laughs> Do you still, Debbie, when people say like, um, oh, I'm just OCD. Do you get like, I get like ticks where I'm like, don't say that because you wouldn't know, like, have you ever seen a person who's OCD? You are nothing like OCD. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, and I even used to say this to the, the young adults that I worked with at the hospital is like, you are not like, you are not your diagnosis. Like you don't need to wear this as some badge mm-hmm. of like your identity. Now, this is something that you're going to live with and you're going to manage it, but it's yeah. not, it's not who you are unless you want it to be, I guess. Right. But, um, and so I think people are kind of like, yeah, like they like to attach these labels to people as to like some box that they can now mm-hmm. fit in. And uh, we can now completely understand them because, you know, like, like me, I, uh, have some OCD tendencies that doesn't make me OCD, you know? Right. Well, and like Becky, you really like to read a lot of those, um, like positive sort of, uh, skill building type books. How do I you like to read a lot of like, yeah. How do you differentiate? How do you do that? Like, how do you differentiate what, okay, this, this, I'm going to pull from this and that I'm going to pull from that. Because I think people who have very like fragile identities, because I consider you to have a very strong identity. Like, you know, who you are, people who are fragile in their identity, they probably just latch on to like what anyone is saying. And that's why I feel like it's so dangerous. So for you, like, how did you do that? Well, I think that um, I am a lot more strategic than that. So I, I have a strong belief of, okay. So you'll have to put this like very shortly and sweetly. Um, everybody has strengths and everybody has weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So I just firmly believe that I'm going to make my strengths so strong 
that the weaknesses, eh. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't ever work on my weaknesses because that would be that would be bad. But I I work on my strengths more to make myself stronger. A lot of people do the opposite. They're like, oh, I'm really strong over here, so I'm gonna leave that stuff and I'm gonna go work on my weaknesses. And I, that's just not my strategy. So how I pull things out of things is say, okay, that's gonna help my strengths because I know I'm good at that, and I'm gonna start doing that even more. That's good. Uh, yeah, that's not good. I'm not good at those things. I'm not doing any of that stuff. Huh. It's a strategy. I don't know if it's the right one. You know, we were talking about giving people advice or whatever. Uh, I, that has worked for me. Um, I also do that with my employees. Yeah. Um, any employee I've ever had in, in, as I've been a manager, I will just simply build up their strengths mm-hmm. and well, not focus on their weaknesses. Cause it makes them feel weak instead yeah. of strong. Right. Well, I, right. Love, I love that you say it like that because I just took this course in resilience and like more for like military people. Cause that's where, where the training was, was for military people. But that is exactly how this training was like resilience is taking your strengths and using your strengths and mm. using the people that work for you, their strengths. Mm. And I, I think that's so important. And that perspective is so important because we can't get caught up in like, I have to make myself this model of balance and perfection of like having all my skills be, I think that's realistic. It's not, I'm just, I'm, there's some things I'm never going to be good at, not because I don't want to be, but because I'm stronger in other areas. So I feel like that is a big perspective shift for me hearing you say it like that. Yeah. And I think your strengths will change, you know, like, you know, I got this, um, fun book that, uh, that silk and Sonder, Mm -hmm. the whatever goals and habits tracking and all that. So like has affirmations and, you know, it is not a strength of mine to give self affirmations. Mm-hmm. I think it's frivolous. I don't think it's, <laughs> I think it's a waste of time. Although I'm trying it out, whatever, <laughs> and this thing, um, and it's felt really good. And I think the only reason it's working for me right now is because I'm a 38 year old mom with four kids and I own my own business. And by golly, I need some (laughs) support and I don't have a manager and I've always had good mentors and managers. And I just don't have that right now. And you better believe my kids don't tell me I'm doing a good job. I'm sure you don't either. And so, and my, and I work with my husband who is fabulous, but he's busy at doing his own job. Yeah. And so I'm trying it out. So I think your weaknesses sometimes come out as you grow in different ways, but I never wanted to push that. It never made me feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Some people will argue, get out of your comfort zone. But are you not doing that? Like, are you not getting it? I mean, I I am, I am kind of, but I think it's just the timing is right. Yeah. Which I like that it's to me, you don't do something unless it aligns with your values, right? Like it's not going to be as um, impactful or meaningful or successful unless it aligns with your values, because then you're just going to you're going to try it a few times and you're like, this isn't for me. Right. Yes. I can live without it. And so I do think that like, as we get older, I mean, I feel like as I've gotten older, I'm not 38 yet, but <laughs> I'm getting close. So I feel like my values have matured. I don't want to say they've like, cause I don't want to measure it in like bad or good, but they've matured. Well, it just changed. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that, uh, like it's important to recognize that just because I didn't do it then doesn't mean I can't do it now. Yeah. I agree with you. Self-affirmation feels fake. It feels phony to me. Like, mm, 
Sorry. No, but I'm kind of feeling like a weird hybrid of it where I'm just like, okay, I'll give you an example. Cause I've been like doodling while we're talking and I love talking to you guys. It's very refreshing, but, um, you know, I did put in one of my little affirmation hearts that like I'm 38. I think a lot of coming to terms with my age and I'm getting close to 40. So, eh, you know, that's not really an affirmation, right? I don't know. It's yes. Generous and kind with yourself, but I'm saying, except that I'm 38, I will no longer tell people that I'm 31. <laughs> oh, Maybe man. outside of 35. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding. We could be but, twins. Anyway. We could all, once Debbie gets to 35, we'll all be 35. <laughs> <laughs> we get some time. Yeah. <laughs> I am a huge, I'm actually a huge fan of positive affirmations because there is some very good research yeah, that shows, is. but the, where people fall is that you have to do it consistently mm-hmm. for it to take effect. It's like, um, you know, when you're building any habit, like, uh, I'm trying to work out like again, consistently mm-hmm. and it's been really hard and it's like, it's, it feels like it's not doing anything right now. Like I'm not seeing any progress and that's how positive affirmations are. It's like, if you just do it a couple of times, it's just going to feel freaking stupid. You know, yeah. like I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, I am great. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, ne- I never really liked those kind of affirmations. I liked more of like manifestations, like, mm. like really staring in the mirror and make you can, yeah, work out. Like, you today can. is going to be awesome. Yeah. You know, like I like, and it's not even for me. I don't sometimes like actually verbalize it, which I think I should like say it out loud but I do it in my mind, but I think I need to start saying it out loud. Do you, do you remember? Cause I was doing this when we were all together. I think before the last time we were all together at your birthday, I think where I had the app, the, yes, um, I remember the app. The, yeah. uh, positive, it's called I am. And it's like <laughs> yeah. that, like manifestations and positive reinforcing thoughts. And I was like reading them out loud. Cause I was like, I have to actually say these out loud for them to work. And I'll tell you, I get them on my watch now and it'll pop up and I'll read it and I'll be like, yeah. And they're, they're like that manifestation. So the app is I am. And yeah. I think anybody should check it out. So. That's fun. Is it free? Um, I think part of it is free, but I pay for like an annual subscription and then I can like customize Those good old app purchases. You got to show me that when we're in California. Oh, I will. I'm so excited. Well, I'm really glad that you guys came to do this tea time with me. I feel like it was really fun to like process things out loud and get different perspectives. I feel like some of the things I came with to the table, I had an idea of how I thought. And then like hearing you guys talk about your, your points of view, it helps me to feel like grounded in my thinking. So I really appreciate it. I don't know why, but I feel like I need to listen to a Joe Rogan episode, but then I'm like, do I want, I've actually never listened to him either. Yeah, I, let's, let's make that assignment and we'll kind of debrief each other. Like what I'll would be you curious, like curious. listening to? Yeah. I'll give it like, tw- I'll give it like 10 or 20 minutes, you know, and like, just, I, might do, I might do five if it's bad, but then I'm like, am I contributing to the bad by giving him viewers? Eh. No, <laughs> no, I don't think at this point your one view will make a difference. <laughs> everybody's vote counts Annalise well on my podcast if I get one more viewer that can be the difference between like nine and ten viewers so that's a big deal (laughs) double digits double digits is for real I know seriously Uh, all right love you guys love love you we'll see you guys next time Bye. bye bye If you want to hear more from The Good, The Bad, The Family, please subscribe. 
Or you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MFT. Thanks for listening. licensed and trained marriage and family therapist, but this podcast is not a replacement for therapeutic advice. If you need help finding a therapist, visit psychologytoday.com to find a therapist in your area.